Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. It's, uh, it's time for us to get started, I suppose. Uh, welcome to all of you who are joining us online. We are glad that you've tuned in today, and uh, we're excited to get to worship together. We like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using for as long as there have been Christians, pretty much. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, this is uh, what we're seeking today as we gather together, uh, that our hearts and minds would be uh, filled with this vision of your goodness, of your love, of your grace. God, you are our creator. You're the one who has given us life in the first place. You are our redeemer. You're the one who, when we had turned our backs on you, uh, you came and rescued us. You didn't just leave us to our own devices to get out there and to fail and to, and, to, and to die, but you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ. You shined your light into our darkness. You, you have called us to this, this life that is so much bigger and richer and fuller than the lives that we had settled for. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to, to trust you that we would say yes to your invitation. We sang that song uh, about you calling us out upon the waters. And God, that's, we, we want to be like Peter, willing to step out of our boat, willing to trust you in the midst of storms. And God, I pray that today you would help us to, to become those kinds of people. Thank you, God, that whatever is going on in our lives, whatever goes on in the world around us, we know we can trust in you. You keep us safe. You grant us peace. You are with us in the midst of the storm. God, there are some folks right now that are <laughs> facing a huge storm as, uh, as school is just around the corner and parents and teachers and students. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. And God, we pray that you would guide all of those who are making decisions around these things, whether it's parents deciding whether their kids are going to school in person or going online, and teachers having to make tough decisions about, uh, about the work they're entering into, and administrators and school boards, and God, we need your help. So we lift all of these folks up to you, trusting that you are able to guide, to give wisdom, to bring peace in the midst of anxiety. God, for all of us, we're facing decisions every day about how we interact with the people around us, about whether we go out or stay in. God, would you guide us? Give us wisdom. God, more than anything, what we want, even more than our own safety, God, we want our lives to reflect your grace and your goodness and your love to a watching world. So would you help us to live in such a way that when people look at us, they don't see people just looking out for themselves. But they see people who are giving of themselves for the sake of others. Where we give up our rights, just like you did, Lord Jesus. For the sake of those around us. For the sake of those who need our help, who need our compassion. Who need us to be reaching out to them in love. So God, would you help us to be that kind of people, your kind of people, a kind of people that reflect your goodness, your grace, your love. Thank you, God, for the continued transforming work that you do by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we offer this prayer. 
Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, it's good to see you. Uh, all right. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for serving us this morning, for singing, for playing. Um, some of you might be noticing uh, that Crystal is all in her scrubs and everything. And that's because, oh, you can be seated. Yeah, and, and you can be seated. And everyone can be seated except me right now. Um, uh, Crystal came right off of work to be here this morning. And those of you who might have been here a little early saw just how right off of work it was as she was walking in. So thank you so much not only for serving us this morning, but for serving us in so many ways uh, with your job, Crystal. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, if you guys want to move mics around, feel free. That, that, that's great. Um, I, I'm not bringing the message this morning. Uh, Pastor Katie Funk is bringing the message. Uh, she's been serving with us since last year in leading youth ministry, and we've gotten to hear from her several times uh, since then. As she's brought uh, the message to us, uh, you know, studying God's word and listening for God's Holy Spirit and saying, okay, God, what do you want these folks to hear from my lips this morning? What is it that, that our, ter- our church needs to hear? Um, and so uh, I'm thrilled that I get to sit and, and hear from God through uh, Pastor Katie today. Um, I just disappeared. Can you put me back up on the screen there? Sorry, I, I, I wasn't ready for that. Thanks. Thanks, Katie. Um, uh, so I do have some sad news this morning. Some of you caught it uh, online. We, um, Pastor Katie and I sat right in here and did a little live announcement on Wednesday morning, and then I sent an email out uh, yesterday or the day before, sometime recently, uh, with this news as well. Uh, Pastor Katie and her husband, Joel, are about to embark on an exciting new adventure. Um, I forget, do you, do you just want me to talk about that, or do you want to say something? No. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, at the end of this month, uh, in early September, uh, they are going to be living in a van down by the river, basically. Um, or not, not exactly, but they've got one of those vans they've converted into, uh, you know, into like a home. And uh, so they have felt God calling them for, a, for many years to do this nomadic church kind of thing. It's an experiment. It's, uh, it's a little bit crazy. It, it's a little bit cool. And I'm looking forward to following along. I don't really use Instagram, but if that's what I have to use to follow you guys, I will. Um, but uh, I understand they'll be on YouTube and some other places as well as they are going out and trying to connect with people who right now, they're not showing up at church on Sunday and they're not even tuning in to a church today. Uh, these are folks who are living uh, in a culture that, uh, that need people to reach out, need the body of Christ to reach out to them and need to hear the voice of God speaking into their lives. And so uh, that means we're going to be losing uh, Pastor Katie uh, here as our youth pastor. Uh, we've been sharing her with Doonland Community Church this whole time and so she's not going to be serving there as youth pastor either. Um, so uh, we're all kind of in mourning as far as youth ministry goes, uh, but we're all also very excited to see where God God uh, leads them next, and uh, looking forward to following along and praying for them and supporting them any way that we can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but this morning, uh, we get to hear from Pastor Katie as she brings the word. And I think, Madeline, are you reading the scriptures for us? Awesome. Great. So um, some of you may know that um, I have quite an adventurous spirit, and for the majority of my life, I have had um, that sense of adventure. Um, and when, uh, when I was going to camp as a kid or a teenager, I um, always tried the things that were, you know, on the, uh, that the camp had for, like, those adventurous things. Um, one of the camps I went to, um, we actually got to go surfing because, you know, I grew up in California, guys. So, uh, But we, I gave surfing a go for the first time at one of the camps when I was in te- a teenager. And I even tried it again and again, even after getting hit in the face with a surfboard. Um, I rappelled off a 100-foot cliff in Utah um, one summer. I, my first plane ride was, uh, my first ever plane ride was to Uganda, Africa. 
I went um, tunneling underground in storm drains in college. Don't ask me that story. That's interesting. Um, I joined a local touch um, rugby team a few months after living in, t- in Ireland. Um, I slept under the stars and came face to face with a vicious raccoon. They are vicious. Um, at 3 a.m. one morning, I whitewatered rafted and cannonballed off a 30-foot cliff, kayaked into caves, and ziplined in the Olympic Park in Park City, Utah. I hiked um, w- uh, in Kauai in the canyon there. Um, why, why, what's it called, Joel? Waimea, yeah. Why, I, was, I did a typo, and it has a K in it. I'm like, that's not how it's spelled. Um, Waimea Canyon in, in Kauai um, with Joel, and honestly, it was very scary. It was the Grand Canyon of Hawaii. Um, pretty much the only thing I haven't done yet is go skydiving. I did say I was going to do that for my 21st, and I'm about to turn 28, so sounds like I'm behind on that one. Um, and as, you know, Rich just mentioned, uh, Joel and I are moving into a van. <laughs> so um, the adventure spirit runs deep, and uh, I really love taking risks. And so while I was out in Ireland in 2015, while I was living as a student missionary, I was asked to help chaperone a high school outdoor class um, trip. And they were actually going on a hike, and they were going to be going rappelling. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, I love rappelling. I love high schoolers. I love the outdoors. It was just honestly like a dream come true to like help chaperone this trip. And when we got sight of the waterfall, uh, the teacher, the outdoor teacher, he was he asked me if I could take photos. He knew that I was decent with a camera and that I would be able to get some good shots of these students repelling off this waterfall. Um, so he kind of he had done it before. He told me to, you know, there's there's a ledge here. You can go off on it and you can get awesome pictures of these students. Um, it's just like a great van- like vantage point um, for taking photos. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I'll do that. Well, if any of you, I don't know if anyone has been to Ireland, but I, I thankfully got to live there for a year. And as you can imagine, though, even for people who haven't been, it is a very green country. Um, there's uh, lots of plants that grow. There's grass. And um, my favorite, there's moss. Um, and so, you know, as I was rec- recommended to head off this ledge, not really a fear in sight, just a little bit nervous about being on this ledge. Um, the first step I took, uh, I thought I was stepping on a ledge. It came to be moss, and I lost my balance, fell upside down, hanging off this cliff. And literally, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. My foot, my right foot, saved my life, uh, or saved my neck. I don't really know exactly what would have happened, but we were at least 20 feet up in the air. My foot was hanging um, off this tree limb, and I hung upside down, and I could see the high schoolers that were down at the water um, below, you know, where the, wa- where the waterfall, like, cap- you know, where the pond is, and they, their faces were like this. What just happened? <laughs> And they couldn't help me. They were down at the bottom. So my uh, friend, one of my, um, she was also a student missionary with me there. Um, she came up to my rescue. But honestly, like, she's a very, like, she's small. Like, she's tall, but she's really petite. And she was going to help me up. And I'm like, I, I don't want to bring you down with me. Like, can you go get the guys? And so she sent over um, for the outdoor teacher and uh, my other friend who was a missionary to come over and help pull me up. 
And they, they basically were like, well, I mean, like, good job on repelling, but you should probably use the proper equipment, you know? Um, for a while, actually, I just finally got rid of the, sh the shoes that saved my life. They were um, a nice pair of, uh, you know, a decent pair of Nikes, and they literally had, like, a, like cut through the, the shoe. Like, that was where the, the branch had saved me, basically. So, obviously, I hold, held on to those for a while it's for the memories and uh, just for the, the blessing that came. Um, so, this soon became um, probably the top three of the scariest, scariest events I'd experienced at my then 22 years of life. You, um, you know, you should have just seen their faces, um, but this was my living reality. I now uh, was, you know, had survived falling off a cliff. Um, and it also went down in probably the history books of my near-death experiences. Yes, this is not my only one. <laughs> but if we want to say a little bit more lighthearted, it was a klutzy Katie moment, as uh, you would. See, I never necessarily preferred heights, but they didn't necessarily scare me, like you know, a debilitating sense where people like, can't even take on heights. Um, but this definitely changed my mind about heights. <laughs> I now uh, had faced this reality that heights are actually scary, and they're for good reasons. They're scary. Um, what, is, what, are, what is one of your greatest fears? Think about that. What's some of the things that you're afraid of? Um, I actually decided to look up some of the, the top ten uh, fears um, as humans, and um, these, these are uh, the ten. So social phobia. Um, about one in 20 people have a social phobia, and this can be anxiety or, or self-consciousness in social situations. I'm, hey, like, I'm with you there. I have to preach right now. <laughs> um, there's also the fear of open spaces. So there's actually people who have a hard time being in public spaces and are often bound to their home because of this fear. There's the fear of heights, which I just named for you right there. Good reason. There's the fear of flying. I don't know if um, maybe not all of you in this room have been able to fly before, but obviously people have a fear of flying. It's up in the air. There have been plane crashes. Like, it's, you know, makes sense. Um, there's the fear of enclosed spaces, um, where it feels like the walls are closing in. Some people don't like elevators for that reason. There's the fear of insects, and I'm with you on that. But uh, there is, a, unfortunately, they have a crucial link to the food chain, so we can't live without them. Darn. Um, then there's the fear of snakes. Uh, Indiana Jones says, I hate snakes, right? And he is certainly not alone in that as well. And then there's the fear of dogs. And see, this one, and I, I think, you know, Annalie's with me here. This one is sad because people are missing out on some good, cute dogs like Penny. Um, and, and then also there's the fear of storms, which is ironically the fear that my dog has. She hates storms. And then um, lastly, there's the fear of needles, and um, my husband has this fear. So there's my family right there for you. So while I never claimed to necessarily be afraid of heights, I, I certainly wasn't immune to the feeling of being uneasy about them. Um, but for me, it was like the view is always like the best part. You know, like if you can just get through it, the view is always spectacular. And um, just, I'm just wondering for you, if you thought about the fear that came to your mind, um, have you ever had your fears come true? Have you ever had your fears realized where you're like, that fear, it, it was sort of in my head, but then it happened to me. 
You know, some people um, have actually been on planes when planes had problems and had to make emergency landings. That's scary. Unfortunately, it's not, thankfully it's not me, <laughs> but some people have. Um, some people have gotten, I've gotten stuck on tiny elevator. Thankfully, I wasn't claustrophobic, but that's also a reality where people's fears come to mind. So when have your fears come true? See, the good news is that we are not the first people to have fears. Fears come with our territory of being human. And we certainly see here in Matthew 14, as was read earlier, that the disciples were not immune to fears either. This morning, we find ourselves in a story where the disciples actually come face to face with their fears. After this miraculous story of the feeding of the 5,000, just before the story read, where Jesus and his disciples feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus then sends off his disciples ahead of them. He tells them to, to get in the boat and go ahead of me and I'll... He actually doesn't even say what's next, but as he dismisses the crowd, the 5,000 people, the disciples listen to Jesus and they go off ahead in their boat. And see, the funny thing about this is that, um, you know, that maybe doesn't seem very odd to us, but boats were very hard to come by in this busy harbor. So for me, it was like, I wonder if the disciples were thinking, what, what's Jesus thinking? Like, we're taking the boat ahead of him? Like, how is he going to get there, you know? So Jesus was certainly up to something. And while um, the disciples went ahead, they were battling the seas. The wind and the waves were just really harsh on them, choppy waters. And while they were doing that, Jesus was actually up on the mountainside doing what he does best, talking to his father. See, and I'm quite curious at this point what the disciples are either thinking in their minds or even shouting to each other at this point. Where is Jesus? You know, he's the one that could help us here in this storm. Where is he? See, the thing is, the disciples aren't out on some lake just enjoying the day, fishing, taking in the sights, just passing time. Matthew says that the disciples were now in the middle of the lake, running into trouble as their boat was tossed back and forth by high winds and heavy seas. See, this story, if we get behind what Matthew is saying here, his readers, Matthew's readers, would have known the sea represented all that opposed God. In the ancient world, the sea was the source of death and pain. When sailors set off, um, to, deep, to do deep sea work, their families would perform rituals that were essentially funerals because they didn't actually expect for them to come back. That's how they felt about the sea. And so when these people would return, they would actually do a reception as though they had returned back from the dead. This is what's going through the disciples' minds. All right, so to the ancient world here, um, as we can paint this picture of what's actually going on, um, the sea felt like the absence of God. All right, all right, so the sea felt like the absence of God. This was a popular belief. And so as Matthew is writing this story, this is really what's at the forefront. 
that the disciples weren't just having a, a fun day, but actually they were faced with this sea and this belief that God was absent and that this, um, the sea was scary and was a, was a source of pain and death. So as they're in the middle of, of, of the storm, they're not just battling the physical ramifications of being in a storm, they're actually battling the mental ramifications as well. There's this deep fear of the sea that came with doubt of God's presence and also the possibility of death. They were afraid that their fears would come true. So after several hours of battling the sea, you can only imagine how they felt when they saw someone or something out on the water from their boat. They were engulfed with fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. They felt in this moment that their fears were coming true. That the sea is, is um, their fears, the sea was um, what they feared. And here their fears were being realized. They didn't know what that ghost was. See, the disciples um, were experiencing fear, but Jesus, being Jesus, met their fear with a familiar voice. Even though his appearance was startling out there on the water, Jesus' voice brought reassurance. Jesus says, no, it's actually I. I'm not a ghost. He actually says, I am. Just as the voice from the burning bush did, just like the force that fleed a nation from despair, I am. Trust me, he says, I am with you even when you don't think I'm there. And so being, you know, Peter being Peter, as we know from the story, he needs proof. He needs to step out on the waves to conquer his fears on his own. He needs to see that which oppresses him beneath his feet. So Peter asked Jesus, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. And so with a sigh, Jesus says, all right then, come on. And Peter does this for a moment. For a moment, he walks on, on water. He steps out on the water to face his fears. And I was thinking about it similarly to people when they're trying to face their fear of heights. You know, they say, don't look down. That's what Peter did. Peter stepped out on the water, and instead of looking at Jesus, he looked down. He saw his fears right before his eyes. He took his eyes off the Prince of Peace. And he saw the waves and he felt the gush, the gust of wind and it overwhelmed him. So much so that he began to sink and he cried out to Jesus, Lord, help me. See, Peter wanted to face his fears and then Jesus invited him to step out on the water. But he looked down. He saw his fears right before him. This very present reality of, of the waves and the wind, it overwhelmed him. He began to give in to his fears. And you know what fear does? Fear only produces more fear. It got a little too real. But Peter's problem was not so much a theological conviction, but a conflict between the evidence at hand, the, seeing the waves and feeling the wind, being in the middle of the sea where people feared it. That conviction versus the invitation to trust Jesus. That even though the wind and the waves are all around him, that he could look at Jesus, experience that peace, and trust Jesus. 
See, Peter, he had this wavering between two minds. Do I give in to the fear that is overwhelming me with this present circumstance? Or do I trust that Jesus is here with me despite my circumstances? And Jesus being over, overly compassionate and merciful overrides Peter's lack of trust and does save Peter. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind completely ceased. And the disciples worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. As we can imagine, in the middle of the sea for hours, being tossed back and forth by the wind, it seemed that Peter had every right to fear the seas that his fears were justified. But just because our fears feel justified doesn't mean we should allow them to have power over our lives. Just because our fears are realized does not mean they should have power over our own lives. This season has been one of when our fears have seemed to come true. When our fears have been realized, when we have been quarantined, when we have been isolated, when our family members have gotten sick, when people have died, when we lose our jobs, when we have medical bills stacking up, when our kids, when they feel lonely and discouraged in the season, when our fears come true, when we feel like we can't be good enough parents now, when we feel like we can't be a healthy person, when there is injustice in this world, when there seems to be nothing to solve it either. When our fears finally come true, how do we respond? You see, fear only produces more fear. But trust, trust in Jesus, when we trust in the one who sustains us, who created us, who loves us, who extends his mercy on us, when we trust in Jesus, that trust produces peace. There has been days in my life in the past four months where my fears have been realized. You know, in the back of my mind, I thought, what if I'm one in four? What if we lose this baby? A month after finding out we're pregnant, my fears were realized. Not only did we go through a miscarriage, but the baby we were carrying wasn't growing as she should have been. She wasn't even vital. She wasn't growing where she should have been. We learned that her life wouldn't have made it anyways. But we have a hope of the resurrection. We decided that we could live in fear. We could allow fear to consume us. But that would only produce more fear. Instead, Jesus told us that there was another way. Jesus told us that you can trust me, that yes, we live in a fallen and broken world, and it's all around us. We see the chaos every second of the day. But when you trust me, when you lean into me, there is peace. See, the missing piece of our lives is the peace of Jesus Christ. Even when our fears come true, even when we lose what is most dear to us, even when a pandemic hits, when we trust in the one who sustains us, we produce peace. The fruit of our lives becomes peace, and there is nothing that can shake it. No storm can shake that peace. 
No waves are too big. No ocean is too deep that it'll take that peace away because the missing piece is Jesus' peace. Our fears can be realized, but when we, are, when we root our lives in the trust and the truth of God's goodness, in his restoration plan, we produce peace. We experience peace. See, when the disciples cried out in fear, it's a ghost, it's because they felt like their fears were really coming true. But Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. The sea of fear can be a source of death and pain if we allow it to consume us. But we have a God that is greater than our storm, that is greater than a pandemic. What is, what is the sea that is raging in your life right now? Where are you experiencing great fear? See, while the storm may go on and go on, and we don't know when the end is in sight, God is with us. We can live a different narrative Instead of one of fear, we can choose to trust that God is ever-present and that that produces peace in our lives. We have a choice. Do we allow our fears to consume us or do we trust and accept his invitation to be filled with his peace? Fear draws us away from God's peace, but trust draws us towards God's peace. Faith is trusting in God's presence, even when he's not in the boat. Even when we cannot feel it, faith is trusting that God is present. There's a line in a song that has been on my heart the last several months, and it's by one of my favorites um, named J.J. Heller. And the chorus she wrote says, What if the world doesn't end when our fears come true? What if we have what we need to make it through? There is manna from heaven and mercy's new. What if God is still here in this desert too? What if the world doesn't end when our fears come true? What if God is still here? When our fears come true, how do we respond? How do we live as Jesus' disciples? How do we allow our our trust in Jesus to shape who we are and who we're becoming. How can we produce peace? How can we be people of peace instead of being people of fear? You see, in recent days, we have suffered from a condition that we can call too much information. Every second, we are presented with information, more breaking news, more statistics, more political updates and, and debates, and certainly it can feel like our greatest fears are coming true. Fear can and will control us if we let it consume us. It can cons consume all of us. But that's not the way we are called to live. Take courage. Jesus offers another way, a way of hope and peace. And so this is my challenge for us this week and really into the days to come. If you have an iPhone like me or any other kind of uh, smartphone, you may receive, um, for, for me with the iPhone, it's Apple, uh, Apple um, news updates. Maybe for you it's another source. Every 15 minutes, I feel like these days, I receive some sort of news update. And it can be so tempting to check each one of them to get distracted and consumed by the latest update. It's good to know what's going on in the world and in our country, 
Don't get me wrong. But does it produce peace or does it produce fear when it's always at our fingers, fingertips? Those updates can move me to pray for whatever's at hand. But honestly, more often than not, I'm quickly consumed by it. And maybe you are too. A helpful way to lean into this peace instead of fear is to turn off these notifications or to unplug from the phone completely for a whole day or for part of the day. When, our, when our, these news updates are at our fingertips, when we are faced with too much information, it can lead us to be in a place of fear. One of um, the liturgies that I'd like to share with you this morning is from the Rabbit Room. Um, this is a handy pocket uh, little liturgy prayer book, and it's called Every Holy Moment. And from one of uh, the resources there, they have um, in one of the prayers in here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's called A Liturgy for Those Flooded with Too Much Information. And I think that this can bring us peace this morning. So I'm going to read an excerpt from it. It says, Give us discernment in the face of troubling news reports. Give us discernment to know when to pray, when to speak out, when to act, and when to simply shut off our screens and our devices and to sit quietly in your presence, casting the burdens of this world upon the shoulders of the one who alone is able to bear them up. Amen. I have copies of this um, at the welcome table back there. There is a longer version of that, and I think that it can be a really good resource for us in these days when we are flooded with too much information because I do feel that that is some of the root of our fears these days. And so I would ask you to invite you to um, take part in that um, in the back. It's a double-sided prayer there. My other challenge for us as we learn how to live into trusting in Jesus and experiencing his peace over fear is um, to observe our behavior this week. As you go throughout your day, observe how you respond to various situations, whether it's a difficult situation or whether it's um, something about new information or being overwhelmed with information. Observe how you respond. Are you allowing fear to consume you or are you taking a deep breath? praying and allowing God to carry that burden, allowing God to bring you peace. I think so much of our lives, we can go through it and not really be aware of how we respond to things. And so this week, part of my challenge, um, and I feel like how God is challenging us to live into this, is to observe and reflect how are we already responding in situations throughout our day. The last thing I want to leave us with this morning as we close is a prayer that is based on the scripture from Matthew 14 verses 22 to 33. It's from the Africa, Africana worship book. It's called Lord if it's you. So let's pray together. Lord if it's you we need to hear from you. When we are alone, when we go away to pray, when we have little faith, when we are battered by the waves, when the, wave, when the wind is against us, when we get into the boat, when we're terrified by our ghosts, when we seek you on the mountain, when we cry out in fear, when we start walking on water, when we begin to sink, when we are far from land. Lord, if it's you, speak to us. 
calm our fears, calm our storms, strengthen our resolve. Remind us who you are. Walk to us, call to us, save us. Reach out your hand and catch us. Quiet the wind around us. Lord, if it's you, we worship you, for truly you are the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Um, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, but first, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song, but I think we're going to celebrate communion first and then sing together. You guys can come on up, though. You probably got to move some things around or something. But um, on, the, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. He took juice and he gave it to them. So take, drink, this is my blood. So uh, you have on the tables in front of you uh, bread and juice. And God, we pray today that uh, by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood. God, we, we acknowledge that we need your forgiveness. We need your grace. We need your presence in our lives. Um, just as uh, we are going to receive bread and juice and take it into our bodies, uh, Lord Jesus, would you remind us that you are just as close to us today. So if you haven't already, I invite you to take the bread and to eat in remembrance of Jesus and his body broken for us. And I invite you to take the cup and to drink in remembrance of Jesus Christ and his blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. Again, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to join us in the, the ugliness of life so that you could meet us in our reality, not expecting us to, to somehow uh, reach up to you, but you instead came down to us to lift us up, uh, to save us, to rescue us from our sins, from our fears, from death itself. We are trusting in you, Lord Jesus. And we know that as we follow you, as we keep our eyes fixed on you, you will lead us through. And on the other side of suffering, on the other side of fear, on the other side of death is life. Thank you, God. Fill us with your spirit today. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God, for your word to us today. Uh, thank you for the ways that you have spoken into our lives. And, and God, we thank you in particular that you spoke these words to us through Pastor Katie. Uh, we pray, God, that as they embark on this new adventure, uh, that you would bless uh, Katie and Joel, uh, that you would work through them, that you would allow them to experience the joy uh, of your grace flowing through them into the lives of others. God, would you help all of us uh, to exhibit uh, such trust in you? 
For each of us, God, is going to be something different, some different fear that we have to overcome, uh, some different way that we have to keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus, uh, instead of looking down, some different way that we can trust you and experience your peace. As we do, God, as we trust you, would you help us to experience that peace, to be a people of peace that exhibit to the world a different way to live here and now. Thank you, God. We pray this confident in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.